0: What's going on? This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Barbara Mason. At the heart of every successful organization lies its people, and no one understands this better than Barbara L. Mason. With a fervent passion for HR and a deep understanding of the pivotal role people play in business success, Barbara stands as a beacon of knowledge and innovation in the realm of human resources. Her philosophy is a simple, yet profound message. People are the most valuable asset of any company, and when managed with expertise, they can significantly amplify a company's success. Conversely, inadequate management can be a costly liability. With over 20 years in corporate America as a senior HR leader for Fortune 500 companies, Barbara is a powerhouse in HR and an entrepreneurial leadership as well. At the helm of Career Pathways Consulting, she's a guiding force for high-performance female entrepreneurs, helping them build and nurture dynamic teams for sustained business success. A sought-after speaker, Barbara's insights into talent management, leadership, and culture development resonate with audiences across various sectors. Her work empowers entrepreneurs, especially women, to cultivate thriving workplace environments, positioning their companies for long-term success. Just a few of the golden takeaways Barbara shares in this episode are transforming corporate expertise into entrepreneurial success, the critical role of HR and small business growth, and cultivating a culture that drives company vision. So, without further ado, this is me and Barbara Mason. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, Life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy filled life. Adventures await us. So let's dive in. Hey, Barbara, welcome to Adventurous
1: Entrepreneurs. Hey, TJ, glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. And I'd love to start with just a little bit of background on your personal journey and, you know, specifically how you went from success in corporate America to starting your own business and and how that all unfolded? Was there like a pivotal moment that really pushed you out of the corporate world or or maybe just pulled you into becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's always a great question. So I spent 20 years in corporate and I always say that corporate was good until it wasn't right. I had a very, very good career. Don't want to trade it for anything. But um, at the point that I became an entrepreneur, we were going through some organizational changes and there was an opportunity that i may lose my job because i was kind of last you know last in um and so it got me to thinking like man you don't really have a backup plan mm-hmm. so i started my business as a safety measure like okay in case this happens well it ended up not happening i actually got the the job that i wasn't supposed to get and got a promotion <laughs> out of the deal yeah. and <laughs> so i started this business had this new territory this new promotion um, and I was just doing the business on the side. And then life happened. Um, I lost my mom. And then it just got me to thinking again about my life and my legacy. I'm like, I don't want to work until I die doing this. Although I loved it, but I was so far up in leadership that it took me away from what I really love, which is the employee. So long story short, I started the business and I made a decision to like let me see where this will go. And I did it for two years while I was still working my corporate job. And then I decided to take the plunge and just do it full time. And I haven't looked back. So that's kind of how I, it wasn't the plan. I didn't do do it to leave my job, but it ended up being that way. Yeah.
0: Well, and I love the fact that you did it in a in a very unique way. And I guess there's no wrong way to write a business. Maybe there is, but many people just kind of burn the, the boats and, and yeah. jump all into it. Many people it's just kind of forced upon them, but I love how you did it intentionally. As hey, I want a backup plan, I want a safety right. measure here, and then things didn't end up playing out the bad way. And, and absolutely you to one way to build it successfully while not having to stress about absolutely. It. So kudos to you for being brave yes. and in, but doing it in a methodical way. So absolutely. With that in mind, what what is this business journey that you're on? Tell us a little bit about what you're focused on today and where things are at here in December 2023.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in business now for six years, which is wild to say. But when I started my business, when I was in corporate, I started off as a career coach and I was helping um, mid-career females with career clarity and job search strategy because I could do those things on nights and weekends, have coaching calls and things like that. So when I left corporate and became doing my business full time, I did that for an additional year. But then I got to what I really wanted to do, which was HR consulting for businesses. So it's really the same thing that I was already doing. But when I was working my corporate job, I really couldn't do do that part of the business that I wanted because that required daytime hours when you're working with small businesses. So that's what I do now is I work with small businesses of all sizes, usually, you know, 200 employees or less. And I help them and I become their HR department. So they're at the place where they may not need somebody, a whole team full time that they want to pay. So they outsource that to me and my team and we take care of all their HR needs. So it's the perfect balance of me being able to have the freedom to have my own business, but I'm doing something that I already know how to do, but I get to do it for myself. So it's like a (laughs) win-win.
0: Yeah, anything to create more freedom in our lives and align with the things absolutely. that and we actually enjoy doing. Absolutely. I mean, and so you know how to do it. You know how to do it well. <laughs> it yeah. was not a
1: learning That's curve. Component
0: yeah. to to being successful for sure. Right.
1: So,
0: I'm curious. I mean, you've got so much experience in the HR world. What are some of the most common HR mistakes that you see, specifically startups and smaller businesses making? And how? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, for small businesses, some of the things that I see often is that they wait too late to hire. That's one. Um, Because, again, you start your business off. Usually it's just you. Right. Um, And you don't think about having a team. But if you want to grow and scale your business so that you're not just trading a paycheck from your corporate job to your business and you're not a slave to your business, you have to start hiring people. And so most small businesses do that way, way later than they should. That's one thing. The other thing is is that they don't have a great solid hiring process, so they don't assess talent well. Um, A lot of times they'll start off by hiring a family member first, a friend, things like that instead of having a very, um, like you said, a methodical, detailed way of this is how we hire, this is our process, this is who we're looking for, here's a job that they're going to do. So I see that businesses Uh, miss that step. And then I would say the third thing is not having an infrastructure for when you bring new employees in. So one of the things that I really try to help my clients do is because I've worked in big corporations, I bring to you the structure that helps businesses survive and scale and grow big. But then because you are a small business, and because you're the owner, you have the flexibility to do it in the way that you want to do it. But you still need policies. You still need infrastructure. You still need a handbook. But the handbook can say what you want it to say. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I'm curious, I would love to dig into
0: specifically some of those things that you've learned from you know the Fortune 500 world that apply to small businesses, specifically in, in that hiring process. Because yes. you're right, so many people just throw you know, a a listing up on Indeed or on LinkedIn, and there's no real thought of, okay, what comes next? How do I take somebody and actually qualify them and understand that this is going to be the right person for this role? What are some of like non-negotiable things that you think should be in every process?
1: Yeah. So some non-negotiable, it's a great question. So some non-negotiable things is first, you got to know what you're hiring for, meaning what's the role and how is it tied to your business need? Because you want to make sure up front that you're hiring the right role first. Right. So if you hire a role that's not the primary role that you need in your business, you're going to find yourself frustrated because you spent money. And you're going to find yourself still frustrated that something's not getting done or you're having to expend a lot of your energy because you didn't hire the right role. So that's the first thing is. Know what position you need to hire at that time in your business and how does it tie back to your business and bring in revenue or increase your profitability. Second is identify what are the skills needed for that job, both the technical skills and then also what is your culture. So culturally, how do they need to be to be a good fit in your company? And so, for example, if I'm hiring an accountant, then obviously they need to have an accounting degree. They want to have dealt with big budgets, you know, whatever the case may be. Those are the technical skills. But if I work in a small company that one of our core values is innovation, right? Then you've got to find an accountant that can do the job technically, but they also fit within your culture. So they're going to be okay with thinking outside of the box. They're going to be okay with, you know, whatever the the things are. So you got to have somebody that can do both. And what I see that a lot of businesses do, they'll hire for one or the other. So culturally like, oh man, we just connected. We just vibed in the interview, but then they can't do the job technically or vice versa. Go
0: get beers with that person. Maybe not hire them.
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly.
0: So you mentioned culture and I'm I'm very curious from, from your wealth of experience, what are some steps that A business should take to intentionally shape that culture and specifically when you're small and looking to bring people in so that process of exactly what you described a identifying okay what should that culture look like, how do I build it, but then how can we bring in the right people and really identify who they are. Yeah, good
1: fit. So the first step goes back, you know, to the CEO or the owner. What culture are you trying to, you know, instill in your organization? And so a lot of that comes from what what do you value personally, right? What are the things that you need in order to compete in your industry? So, for example, if you're in an industry that's ever changing, that's fast paced and your competition you know, is always leaning on the industry edge, then you need, a you know, a culture of innovation. You need people that can think outside of the box that may be less traditional, right? So your industry is going to shape some of that culture, your values personally, how you work in the things that you care about. So maybe you're big into community. So maybe that's part of your culture that you want to have a certain percentage of your proceeds give back or we do a community day. So those things make up the culture. So first identify what it is second is how you shape it is be able to talk about it right it should be part of your mission statement your vision statement it should be the things that you talk about when you onboard an employee Um, also i encourage clients to have core values because the core values are going to speak to whatever the culture is so you begin to shape it by first knowing what it is so that you can articulate it to have it in written documentation Three have it as part of your onboarding process when you're talking to employees. And then from there, you're just living it out, right? So the benefits that you offer, the conversations that you have, the how you discipline or how you promote, how you pay is all tied to the culture. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. And I'm, you know, I think the biggest thing is once you have that vision, a, when you bring people on in the onboarding process, making sure that the culture and the core values are are stated and known, right? But I'm curious, have you found anything that stands out in companies you've worked with or worked for that have helped really ingrain that in the employees, and so that you know they can like articulate it just as well as the founder or the CEO can, and that it's it's not just something you hear about once and then forget about, but actually you're living it every day and you know it, and you can you can bring it into a conversation with external yeah. stakeholders and in internal meetings as well.
1: Yeah, so I have a, a, that's a great question. So I have a client. They're one of their co- core values is humanity first, right? And so the CEO is very particular about making sure that we address the human need first before we address the business need. So it's all about how you're doing as a person. Like I care about you. So one of the ways that she ingrains that is in every decision that she makes. Um, but also at every meeting, at the top of the meeting, they talk about how are you doing? Before they get into any business. So so every single meeting is always about humanity first. What's going on in your life? How are you doing? How are you feeling today? You know, it's a day, a down day. How can the team support you? So that's one way that she does that. Also, when it comes to decision-making. So it keeps being referred back to. And this is an example that really just touched me. In this same company, one of her employees was pregnant and she went to term with the baby, but her baby was stillborn. So in her bereavement policy, of course, standard bereavement is you get three to five days. Well, that didn't feel right. But again, most people don't have an employee that's going to have a stillborn baby, right? So with her core value, she was like, I'm going to do what is I would want done for me, right? And so she tweaked the policy and she gave this particular employee more than whatever the policy said, because why humanity first? Hmm. So that to me, that's a, that's, not to be morbid, but that's an example of how you have to keep talking about it in meetings, but then you have to show it in your decisions. Whatever that core value is, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah,
0: Find, finding ways to to not just say it but live it and demonstrate. Absolutely, it. that's that's the key. When people can see it in action, then they can start to you know really mirror that and, and embody it. Right. In as well so. so
1: if humanity first is, is a cultural principle that you or core value that you hold dearly then when an employee calls in and says my child is sick and i need to look early today your response can't be "But well, you have a job to do you do you know what I'm so you again it has to mirror whatever you say you believe because mm-hmm. employees will pick up on that and i'm just using that as an example whatever your core value is if it's community service but the company never does community service mm-hmm. and they don't allow you to solicit toys for tots then Uh, Is that really our core value? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So shifting back to kind of looking at HR from the context of a smaller business, given that many entrepreneurs start with a solo venture, at what stage should they seriously consider integrating HR practices into their business, whether that's internally hiring or, or working with a consultant or some outside agency for that type of support?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think they should start thinking about it. One, if, if their intention is to grow and to scale their business to where they're not doing everything in their business and they can truly be the CEO of their business and they need to start you know, getting HR practices as soon as they're you know, financially able, that's what I would say. Because it has to be a mindset first that I'm trying to build a team. I'm trying to build a company that's sustainable. I'm trying to build it to where... I'm not the pig that does everything in my business. So once you get that mindset, then it's really good to start, one, hiring your first team member, but also getting some HR support to start building up, talking, having having these discussions about, this is what I want my culture to be. Okay, great. Now that we have that, let's talk about your core values. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about your vision. Let's talk about your mission. Now we know we can go look for an employee. Let's talk about your handbook. The handbook has to mirror what you just said. And then the interview questions you know, mirror what, okay, what we're looking for culturally. So we're not just asking blanket questions. We're asking questions that are relevant and that matter. So it really begins in the very in the very beginning when you say, hey, I'm trying to grow a business that's sustainable, that I know I'm going to invite other people into. And I believe that in order for me to grow, I got to have other people doing the work. Then I think it starts right there. Um, Obviously there's different levels of that. You know, in the beginning, it may start off as let me get an HR consultant that I pay when I need them. Right. Then it becomes, hey, let me put them on retainer. Then as I grow, hey, you know, they handle all of my HR stuff. So it grows just like anything else in your business. Yeah, I think that's great for everybody to hear, because if you're trying to grow a business that
0: it's not just you working in the business, basically creating another job for yourself, if your plan is to grow and create freedom, thinking about this stuff early on. Absolutely. Like said, as soon as you're at that point where it's financially feasible to hire and bring in that support, right. do so because that's going to enable you to get right. to that freedom point that you're looking for. So Absolutely. critical to keep in mind. And I'm I'm curious also given the world that we live in now where most businesses are remote, offer flexible working hours. I'm curious if there's anything you think the future of work is going to have an impact when it comes to HR processes and policies for, I mean, companies of any size, but keeping with the kind of smaller businesses mm-hmm. that, that have remote teams.
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing now is definitely, it, it's definitely here to stay. It is not going to go back to where all of your employees are working in the physical space 40 hours a week. I mean, we do a lot of recruiting for our um, clients And the jobs that are in-person are much harder to fill than anything remote or hybrid work schedule. So I think that's going to stay. I think technology is going to continue to increase. Um, And so there's going to be ways that you can employ technology, whether it's AI or other things that can do some of the things that a human can do. And so as a a CEO, you have to balance between how much of that of a balance that you you want to have, right? And you got to find ways and if you're going to have remote and hybrid employees and that is the future how do you stay connected culturally how do you stay connected um in communication so that it still feels like a team so you know bringing you know people together maybe once a quarter or things like that so i think those things are here to say and that's how i see it changing is more technology the other thing i would say is the type of employees that are out there in the marketplace Right now, it is an employee's market. Employees have a choice of where they work, right? It's not an employer's market. And so the talent and the competition is very fierce, especially for small businesses right now, because people have a choice of where they work. The other thing is that things that happen in the world affects the employee. So social justice, like the employees in this market, they're, they really are concerned and care about what does that company value? Yeah. you know What do they believe? And if they don't feel like it aligns with their personal values, then they don't join. And it did not used to be that way. 20, 30 years ago when our parents and grandparents were getting jobs, that was not even a question. It was like, hey, I need a job. They have one. They're gonna and I'm going <laughs> to work there for 40 years. Well, people don't do that anymore. So those are the things that I see in terms of trends that's going to continue to happen.
0: I think that's a, especially a great point at the end. I mean, my, I know my generation and the generation below me Certainly, look at companies they want to work for and what are they willing yes. to take a stance on? What have they taken a stance on in the past? Does absolutely, that look at my values. And if not, no, I don't want to work there.
1: So, yeah, it's anytime. a
0: big deal, it is. And it's important then for especially a smaller company to identify what, what are you willing to take a stance absolutely.
1: on? What absolutely, absolutely,
0: values. And you know, you can't attract everybody, so what are you willing to kind of draw a line in the sand? for and stick stick to and really stand by because that's and that's of-
1: where small business can really step up and still be a great solution and a great option you can compete with bigger companies just on those things but what i find is that small small business they don't have a stance they haven't thought about it they haven't again they don't have core values they don't have a this is what we believe this is where we're headed and this is where we're going it's kind of like all over the place yeah. right and so if you're all over the place then it's hard for you to identify a person that's going to fit your company because you're all over the place.
0: Mm. And going back okay. to your earlier point, thinking about that stuff early on, absolutely, that you really build on stable ground versus absolutely way right too long. You're just in reactive mode, and it's going to be absolutely to retroactively make that happen. Yeah. So. Intentional living and specifically designing. Your work life around the holistic life you want to live is a is a big theme of our podcast. I'm curious, how do you see HR practices and people management fitting into this lifestyle approach for entrepreneurs?
1: Hmm. In terms of entrepreneurs, or their or them building teams and their employees, the entrepreneur themselves, or I mean, honest, really question.
0: building, yeah, as a founder, building building teams and you know, from a policy standpoint or from an HR standpoint, making that a, if, if they so choose, a core pillar, you know, design, yeah. designing your work around your life as an entrepreneur. But how do you create that sense of balance or freedom for your yeah. employees and your team?
1: Yeah. I think first, the entrepreneur, they have to believe that, right? Because there's many entrepreneurs that even though they have the freedom, that's not they're not trying to build that for their employees, right? They're running their businesses like they were treated in a corporate environment, right? So I think first the entrepreneur has to believe that that's the way they want to run their company and instill in their culture. And then once that is there, there's several ways that you can do that. It could be by your, you know, your benefits. And so I have clients that offer unlimited PTO, paid time off. So there, you don't accrue three hours a week or something like that. It's unlimited. You can take off whenever you need to. Now, with that, you have to hire the right people and you have to have a high level of trust. But the caliber of people you hire has to be great. Um, in order. To, so that's one way is unlimited PTO. I have clients that offer mental health days, which is hey, if you're just not feeling today or you're just having a bad day, there's no shame and no judgment. You just call in and say, Hey, I'm gonna take a mental health day, um, or having mental health options because in this day and time there are a lot, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people dealt with mental health and wellness. Um, um, and when it comes to wellness, offering benefits, gym memberships, you know, things like that. The remote work helps with intentional living, um, not having scheduled hours. So there's many things that can be done. Again, it goes back to what the entrepreneur's core belief and values are, and then what they're willing to pass on to their employees and then hiring the right people and having the trust, because you can't try to instill an intentional living culture, but then you're going to be a micromanager.
0: Hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And on that topic of of living a well-rounded life and, and having that intentionalness around work-life balance, what does living a well-rounded life look like for you? Do you have any rules or, or intentional practices that help you blend your, your business with the rest of your life in a harmonious way?
1: Oh, absolutely. I because I always tell people, if I'm not going to do that, I can just go back to corporate. Right. And so I tell when I lived it, when I worked in corporate, I had a really good job, made good money. I did not have a life. And so it's really important for that I have a life now. So some things that I do, um, I found new hobbies. So one of my hobbies is gardening. I am an avid gardener. Um, and I kind of have my own other side business, you know, doing gardening. So in the summertime, I mean, all of my meetings end at like, you know, two or three o'clock so that I can work in my garden while it's daylight. And then for me, I work at night. Um, so that's one way that I kind of structure my life, you know, around that when my kids are in school, you know, again, I stop meetings at two. Um, typically I work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I hit it hard all day long and Mondays and Fridays. I don't take meetings. Um, So that's kind of how I, and of course I don't work weekends and things like that. So I build my life um, around the things that I like to do. I set my own hours that fit the things that I like to do. Um, And then again, my husband um, travels with his job. And so when he travels, I travel with him because I can do my job from anywhere. So those are some of the ways that I do it.
0: I love it. Yeah. And my wife, does the same. When I have a business trip, she'll, she'll come with me. Part of that trip in Nicaragua that I was telling you about was a, was a business trip. So yeah, that was great we got to both benefit from that and, and yeah. vice versa. When she's traveling, I try to tag along too. Yeah. And I, the, the way that you described creating those boundaries and really safeguarding that time that is most important to you. That's something that I've found most entrepreneurs and founders who are the happiest are, yes. are good at making sure that, they safeguard it, and they're not going to make exceptions, right? To that time, you know, absolutely secret because that's what allows them to show up and give their best absolutely. when they are grinding and when they are in work mode. So absolutely, absolutely. I'm curious, also. So part of looking at entrepreneurship through the lens of of being an adventure, which is the theme of this podcast, is Looking at guides or or mentors who helped lead the hero, you in this case, down the yeah. path toward reaching their goal. Do you have any mentors or just influential people who stand out in your life that have really helped
1: shape you into the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will leave in mentorship. And so I can think, you know, of a couple So one that I had on the corporate side. She gave me a piece of advice That, you know, somebody says something to you and it never, ever leaves you. It just like it's like stuck to you like glue. Um, I was taking a new job a new promotion for me uh, managing um, HR for an entire distribution center. And I was nervous and I was afraid. And she kind of just walked me through this example. She said, what's the worst case scenario? And she literally had me walk it all the way down to. Like she didn't let me stay surface and it ended up being the worst case was like, okay, if this job is is crazy, you know, and I can't afford, you know, to live because I've lost my job, then I can just go move on, home with my mom. And she said, well, can you do that? I was like, well, yeah, she's like, well, that's the worst possible case scenario. So if you can live with the worst possible case, which probably won't happen, and it didn't, then you'll be fine. Yeah. That was one piece. And then she told me at the time I had just had a a baby. She said, you were pregnant for nine months. And that pregnancy was rough. I was like, yeah. She said, you can do anything for nine months. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I say that as silly as it is, when I got ready to quit my corporate job, I was again nervous and I was very afraid, even though, because I left a lot of security, right? Um, And I remember the two things that she told me. One, what is the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, if this does not work out, I can always go get another job. I've built my career. I have a great resume. I can get another job. That's worst case scenario. Wouldn't want to, but I can. Yep. And then can I do anything for nine months? Absolutely, I can. And so those two pieces of advice really stuck with me. And even now, as I make decisions, I think about, okay, what's the worst case scenario? And it helps me kind of push past that fear. Um, so that's one in the corporate world. And then from a business side, I've had, you know, two or three business coaches. And I I really believe in having coaches. Um, and because again, I knew HR, I didn't know how to start a business and run a business. That was entrepreneurship was new for me. So I remember one business coach, you know, really helping me think through that people that you have something that people need, right? And if you don't show up and if you don't do what you've been called to do in this season of your life, then somebody's gonna be missing out and really helping to give value. To what I bring. And so again, that gives me the days when I don't feel like it, or the days when I feel like, man, when's the next client coming? I remember that people have what I need. I just have to go find the people that need what I have. Yeah. So your duty to keep showing up. Absolutely. It's my duty. I love yeah. that. Fear setting is or else. So you called it, yeah,
0: you know, what is the worst case scenario? I I had a, a mentor describe it as fear setting. And it's something that I do as well. Whenever I'm making a big decision going down 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 yes oh as you possibly can go what is the absolute worst case scenario and 99 of the time that worst case is like all right i yeah i can live with that i've got other yep. options and that's yep. very low probability of happening absolutely anywhere. let's go for it
1: <laughs> let's go for it
0: yeah oh i love it All right, Barbara. Well, I always ask a sort of choose your own adventure question as we wrap things up here. So you can pick which one you'd like to answer or both if you so desire. But the first is what's a favorite place you visited, you know, in in your life or in the last couple of years or second, what is just a recent adventure that you went on? Could be in your own backyard with family, with friends. But in either case, what was it like? What made it so memorable? maybe a favorite meal or drink you had, who you were with, give us a story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a great question. Um, So I'll answer both in one answer. So I recently just came back from Australia. So we were, yeah, two weeks ago, I came back from Australia. So we spent two weeks in Australia. I was there with my husband who he, he's in ministry. So he was over there doing a ministry event. Um, And it was an adventure one, because I had never been to Australia. Um, and I didn't realize how big Australia was. I'm like, I should pay more attention in like a geography <laughs> um, or whatever. Um, and the climate was just, I mean, we were in the Northern territory. It was extremely hot. I didn't have the breeze like you talked about mm-hmm. in Nicaragua, it was 95 degrees with 95% humidity. Um, and so the weather was just, it was hot, but being there for two weeks, I mean, of course you don't get into the culture, but you do get into the culture. And so I got a chance to see and meet people that were native there, which are called Aboriginals, which I had never seen before. Um, Then also a lot of the people there were from um, the Philippines, from Asia, because it's really, really close to Asia. We ate a lot of um, Asian food, Indian food, and it's different than Asian food. Like where I am, it was like authentic. Um, (laughs) And then also, um, we met um, a couple and had at a restaurant that was from Nepal, so it was like Nepalese food. So it was very, it was adventurous because it it challenged my palate for sure. Um, Because I'm used to like Asian, like Thai food, and it was not that way. Um, So that was definitely an adventure. And then just. Um, talking to the people and just hearing about the culture in Australia and how it's different than it is here and their view of America I mean they were asking like do you know such and such I'm like no I see them on TV just like you see them on TV (laughs) (laughs) so that was um, you know quite um, interesting but it was an adventure because again I, I love to travel and I think when you go to different places you get a chance to see just how big the world is but also how small the world is right we met amazing people. And I was so surprised. It was almost like Southern hospitality. Like I'm in the South now and everybody's just very friendly. And that's how it was there. Like Mm -hmm. every place we went. And I guess I just didn't expect that. Yeah, It felt very much like home, home home-like, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, I love it. One of my mottos is life is meant for exploring. And my wife and I love to travel. Australia has been on my bucket list for a long time. So you just kind of re-inspired me to yes. make that a priority in the years. Yes,
1: to come. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Amazing people from Australia and yes. a lot of traveling in Southeast Asia and learned of kind of about the you know, both Australians going to Southeast Asia mostly for yes. vacation, but then people from Southeast Asia moving to Australia and yeah. lending of culture there sounds very yeah. fascinating. So,
1: and I would also put New Zealand on you. Know, we went to New Zealand oh, yeah. seven years ago. Um, I liked New Zealand more than I liked Australia, just because the scenery in New yeah. Zealand where we were was much more beautiful than the scenery where we were in Australia. Um, but it, both, both great places, just very different, but we love to travel as well. Amazing. Well, Barbara, do you have any
0: ask, challenge or or parting advice, any parting words you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap things up?
1: Well, the only thing I would say is, you know, again, adventurous entrepreneurs. I mean, I love that title because I think if you jump into entrepreneurship, you obviously um, are at least have some level of risk in your blood. <laughs> so yep, it is definitely. definitely an adventure. And like you said, you just have to keep showing up because and surround yourself with other people that are part of your journey that do what you do. I found when I first became an entrepreneur, because I had a 20-year corporate career, none of my friends understood what I was going through, you know. And so it's good to be around other entrepreneurs because it can get lonely, right? And nobody understands, you know, kind of the method to the madness. So definitely have a support system, keep showing up, and remember that whatever you're offering, people need it. You just have to find those people and then offer them something, you know, at the highest quality. So that's what I would say. Wise words for sure, especially finding support you know it's a lonely
0: road like you said yes tribe that was something i i learned slowly but helped me just not only get my mind right but make leaps and bounds because i wasn't alone in the effort anymore so absolutely all of those and and barbara where can people find and support you online reach out if they want to continue this conversation
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on um, LinkedIn under Barbara Mason, on Instagram under Barbara Mason. Um, The name of the company is Career Pathways Consulting. So you can go to the website, www.careerpathwaysconsulting.com. Amazing. Well, we'll put links to everything in the show notes.
0: And Barbara, thank you so much. This has been a, a very enlightening conversation and I appreciate you making the time. It was great.
1: Thank you so much.
0: To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.